0: For you must not eat from one tree, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For in the day that you eat of it, you will surely die. But here comes the enemy. He comes the enemy and he says, Did God actually say you may not eat from any tree in the garden? Ah, oh, you won't surely die. For God knows that in the day that you eat of it, Your eyes will be open. And what? You will be like God, knowing good and evil. A crossroads, dilemma, a crisis. Who are you going to trust? The enemy or the Lord God? Who's telling the truth? Is God for me or is he against me here? Is God's provisions for me, for my benefit or for my demise? If we eat, will we surely die? Or will we just be made like God if we eat? Which one is it? Which one is it? See, their questions and their dilemma, it didn't last very long. So, you know, we, the Genesis is printed there for us. You read the whole chapter, you know how it turns out. We know they made a decision. A decision had to be made. They could not walk the middle and be on the fence. They had to decide at this moment, am I going to trust the Lord? Or am I going to believe the serpent They could not walk the middle, could not be on the fence? A decision had to be made. And which one were they going to make? Which one do we make? Who were they going to believe? Who were they going to trust? If this was a game called who wants to be like God, when they give me their answer, I would say, is that your final answer? Is that your final answer? The answer that you're telling me. Are you sure, Adam and Eve, this is your final answer? And it was. And their answer, their answer to the question, ushered in a new inception into God's creation. You know what that was? The inception of rebellion. The beginning of rebellion. Read with me Genesis 3, 6. <coughs> So when the woman, Eve, saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. And she also gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he too ate. Please pray with me. Father God, I pray for your spirit to glorify your name. That all of life is about you. Preaching is about you, and it's for your glory. And I pray, Spirit, that you will come. If you don't move, ain't nothing happening. So, I mean, I, have, I don't have the power to change hearts. I don't have the power to change lives. I'm just a man. But, Father, you are not a man. You are God. And I pray that you will bring glory to your name, that the words that I say will lift you up, that I would decrease, Christ will increase, Father, that I would get out of the way, and the Spirit will do his job this morning in my heart and in the heart of your people. Glorify yourself, Father. In Christ in my prayer. Amen. The inception of rebellion. This is what we have in Genesis 3, 6. You see, after Eve's conversation with the enemy, her 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 whole focus, all of her attention was completely drawn to that tree. To the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And in this verse. We have a sequence of responses by Eve. That eventually led to rebellion. The first thing she does. Is she looks. The text says she saw the tree. What did she see about the tree? She saw that the tree was good for food. And it was a delight to the eyes. Now is that bad? Is she in trouble at this point? Is it bad that Eve was able to recognize the beauty of God's creation? No. That's not bad. Nor was it the enemy who convinced her to see that. Don't forget, God created the tree in the garden. Genesis 3, third, Genesis 1.31 says, The Lord God himself saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was what? What, what what was it? Good. No, it was very good. It was not just good, very good. And in Genesis 2.8, it says, Now the Lord God planted a garden in the east, in Eden. And there he put the man he, he formed. And the Lord God made all kind of trees grow out of the ground. Trees that were what? Pleasing to the eye. And trees that were also good for food. In the middle of the garden were two trees, the tree of life and a tree of knowledge of good and evil. So if, 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 if God sees the tree and it's good for food, pleasing to the eye, and Eve is able to recognize that, she's not in, she's not in sin there. She's not in trouble there because it's God's creation. And her, and her being able to recognize that is not evil. It's not rebellion. Think about, I think I shared this with you before, we took Madison to the beach for the first time over the summer. And when she got out of the car and she saw the ocean, she went crazy. Mommy, Daddy, look, the ocean, the ocean. Even at age three, you can be amazed by God's creation. See the beauty of what God has created. All of us have those moments when we can see something in God's created world where we're like taken back. Wow. It could be the beach, it could be the Grand Canyon, it could be whatever. We all are able to recognize that. Now if that is true post fall, how much more before Adam and Eve fell if they're able to recognize that? You see, we all see a rainbow and we like, that's a beautiful rainbow and yet we live, we live east of Eden now but we're still able to recognize the beauty of God's creation. The Garden of Eden was a beautiful sanctuary. Beautiful. And Eve's ability to see that is not a bad thing. It's actually a good thing. And remember, God created all things and all things very good. See, what gets her into trouble, what the enemy's intentions were, was to create in Eve a discontentment with what God had already provided for her. Her satisfaction was turning into dissatisfaction. And we see this in the next sequence of her response. First, she saw the tree. Now it says she desired. That's where she gets into trouble. She says the tree was to be desired to make one wise. This reveals discontentment. The fact that the enemy's work was working, the seed he has planted was growing. And know for sure that this is not a good desire. This is not a desire by her to glorify the Lord God. The forbidden fruit was the object of her desire. And as we know, what our desires is internal, right? Something inside of us is our heart. And eternally, her heart was turning away from God by her desire for the tree. Her gazing at the tree had turned into covetousness. It was a lust, a lust for craving to have what the Lord God said she could not have. And remember his command to them. He says to them not to eat from this tree, acknowledge good and evil, for their benefit. It was for their good. He wasn't holding out on them, he wasn't holding them back. It was for their benefit not to eat from that tree. Why? Because if they ate of it, if they eat of it, they would die. You don't have to go to Bible college or seminary to understand what that means. If you eat the fruit, you die. You don't have to go to the concordance or or Greek dictionary or whatever. Die means die. And if you don't eat, you live. It's not rocket science. It's simple. Eve was deceived, though, by the serpent, and she did not hold on to God's word. There was some internal justifying going on, rationalizing going on with her. The tree was to be desired to make her wise. What does that mean? It means she was going to take what was part of God's good creation and use it from something that it was never created for. The fruit was not going to be the source of her new wisdom. Do you see what's happening here? She was going to attain wisdom from a fruit of a tree. I'm going to attain wisdom, be made like God. I'm going to know good and evil, but I'm going to do it independently of God. I'm going to do it through the tree. This is what the serpent was doing to her. Tuesday, this past Tuesday, um, my friend Pap, he, one, of his songs, one of the songs he sings that I like to hear is called Rich Woman, Poor Woman. And the song starts out with the rich woman talking about her nice dress that her father has given her. And it goes on. She talks about the nice mansion that her father owns. And and then it talks about the yacht that her father owns. Then it gets to the poor woman. And the poor woman tells her, you see, that land that your father's mansion is on belongs to my father. The yacht." The water that your father's yard is on belongs to my father in heaven. You see, Adam and Eve were beginning to build a hope on something that was not eternal. Losing the big picture. Losing the big picture that God had given them the freedom to eat from any tree in the garden. They had it all. They, had, they were talking about living the, the high life, the big life. It, But yet, the desire to have it was not forbidden. They had to have it. It's a low-down, dirty shame what happened to Adam and Eve. When the Lord God created them, he blessed them. He made them beautiful. They had the yacht and the land, the house and the land. They had. But they gave it up. Well, he tells them, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth. Subdue the earth. And have dominion over the earth. Over all the other created things. I mean, God has given them everything to exercise dominion. And now, instead of exercising dominion, they were going to subject themselves to the other created things. Does that sound familiar? We worship other things now. Trees, rocks, animals. When we're supposed to have dominion over them in the created order. That's how God created it all. But the fall turned things upside down. Now she was beginning to place all her dependency upon the fruit. But this fruit is going to make me wise. It's going to make me like God. Knowing good and evil. Now how about you? In your life the tension for all of us is how can I enjoy God's creation without making it the object of my worship? Do you struggle with that? Or is it just me? Because if you don't, maybe I just need to come sit down and you come tell everybody how not to do it. Yes, we all struggle with it. Do you seek to use God's creation in ways that was never meant to be used? Your marriage? Your marriage? your relationships, whatever. Don't forget, everything in this world is created by God. I don't care if you have a car, your shoes. Don't forget who's providing you with the things that you have. It ain't you. It's God. He is still God. He is still the man, and he is still creator. So it's not your stuff. It's his stuff. And are you using it the way he wants you to use it, is the question. Because you can enjoy creation without worshiping it. The question is, do you know when you're worshiping it? You say, well, Alex, how can I know? If I take what you cherish it most, what would it do to you? Then, then you'll know. <laughs> if I take what you treasured most, if I took all the money you have in your bank, what would it do to you? Only you can answer that question. And your answer to that question determines, is it your worship? Is it your many god Or do you really see it as, this is just God's stuff. I'm just a steward of it. If you're a steward of it, you can let it go. And it won't ruin your life. And it won't ruin your life. You see, Eve, wanting to be like God, is that a bad thing? To want to know God and be like him? You see, what she did is she justified the means. To get to that result. You see her eye, She felt like. She could eat this fruit. And the result was going to be. I'll be made like God. That should be a good thing. But the, the means does not always justify the result. Or the ends. Particularly when it comes to God's word. You see she saw the tree. She desired the tree. And eventually she just rebelled. They took of its fruit. And ate. And she gave some to her husband who was with her. The tree is not the problem in this story. The tree is not the problem. The tree isn't the one with the issues. The issue has always been whether or not they were going to be obedient to what the Lord God has said. That was always the issue. Were they going to choose obedience or choose disobedience? Remember, they had the freedom to say no. They were not robots. They were fully responsible and they chose rebellion. They chose it. They were morally free to turn away from the enemy and walk away, but they didn't. I know some of us are thinking, well, if it was me, then our power turned away. Well, we don't have that luxury. You notice saying the apple doesn't fall far from the tree? Adam and Eve are your parents, and you don't fall forth from that tree. They're your parents, our first parents. And what they did, we are feeling the effects of that. Simple. You see, Adam and Eve were already like God. How? They were already created in his image. God said we would create man in our image. And what does that mean? They They were like him. But they didn't realize that. They were already like him. And they didn't realize that when they took that fruit, bit into it, their fellowship with God was ruined. Their communion with God was broken. It was a self-inflicted death blow. But they they inflict it upon themselves. I was going to be like God, but actually separating themselves from Him. And then we have the inception of rebellion, is what we have in Genesis 3. In your relationship with Jesus, do you commune with Him? If you don't have a relationship with God, do you want one? Because you can have one. One of the things Mark always talk about is your created purpose. Your created purpose is to know God. To be in fellowship with God. And that's what they lost. That's what they lost. That perfect union. Of being in a perfect relationship with the Lord God. The covenant God. They lost it all. That's what they lost. You see, it's like, if, let's say you, if you're at home, if, you, if you're in a room with just one window, you have one, one sh- a shade on the window, the light shining through, and so you depend upon that light to light up the room. That, that, the sunlight that shines through the window lights up the room, and you can see clearly everything that's in the room because of the light that shines through. You can walk around the room freely Without bumping anything things. Because of the light that's shining through the room. The light makes it possible. The light makes it possible for you to function within this room. The sunlight does. You depend upon the sunlight. But what if you start to let the shade down? Completely let the shade down. Think about that. If the shade is being let down, what happens to the sunlight? It goes away. It's shining outside, but it's no longer shining in your room. The sunlight slowly disappears until it's all dark. Your eyes are open. You can still see. You're not physically blind. But it's like being blind if you're in a dark room with no light. And what happens to your way? Can you find can you walk around the room freely without bumping into stuff? Can you? Can you? If it's dark, you're gonna You gotta hold on to the chair you got to hold on to the desk to find your, your way through the room. Listen to this. What happened to Adam and Eve, the sin shut off God's light from their life, the light that they were dependent upon. And guess what? As dependent beings, you're going to have to be dependent upon something to hold you up. And so now they were going to be dependent upon creation to hold them up, to get them through. Because one thing about us, we're not, we're codependent beings. We're not independent like God. God doesn't need anything else to exist. We do. We do. And so they rebelled against the creator, and now they're going to have to use creation in order to hold themselves up. So they can function. To cover them. That's what they lost. The covering of God. And so now they've got to be covered by other things and it's sin. Codependent. Worshipping other things. He said, Well, this is a lot of bad news. This is a story I'm telling. The gospel is coming next week. Well, two weeks from now, it's coming. But it's a story. It's a story that I'm telling from Genesis 3. The inception to question, the inception to rebel is what we're talking about this morning. Next week will be the inception to hide and cover, and then the inception of the gospel, which is in Genesis 3 as well. We all see that. Genesis 3 can explain everything about life. If you only had one chapter in the Bible, if you had Genesis 3, you would see a God who is holy, a God who is merciful, and a God who is gracious. It's in those three chapters of the book it give you a picture of who our God is. You just had those three chapters. And I credit, those three chapters are critical to understanding the faith. Why does bad things happen? The fall. Did God make a way? He did. He covers us. We all know how the story ends because we have the New Testament. I'm just painting the picture for you. And so, when you think about your life, your stuff, Are you worshiping it, or are you actually enjoying it for God's glory? That's what you have to think about. That's what you need to think about. Your job, your vocation, your stuff, your house, whatever, your relationships. Am I using it to glorify the Father, or am I using it to glorify myself, to make myself, further, to further myself, to boast myself, to move myself further away from him? That's what you have to wrestle with as a believer. Because you're going to still struggle with sin. You're going to still struggle with idolatry. But you have to fight it. You've got to recognize it when it comes up. Do you recognize it? It's the question. As I said this week, when the enemy comes and whispers in your ear, did God really say you shouldn't do that? Ah, God was just joking. That command isn't, no, that command really doesn't mean that much. You can, you can skip over that one. Nah, the one about being faithful to your wife, Now nah. you know what, you know what, hey, God understands. You know what, he He understands. It's okay if you do that. It's okay. Stealing, yeah, that's fine. Just a, just a, you're just stealing little stuff. Oh, it's just a little white lie. Those are not, God doesn't care about those lies. The little white lies are okay. Do you recognize the enemy when he comes to get you to justify your disobedience? And if he comes, do you know the word enough to fight him off? You see, we read reading the Bible together as a church in two years. And this is just not something to do for the sake of doing it. The past on the back. This is for you to be in the word. To know the word. To know what God says. And when the enemy comes to you and says, did God actually say? You can say, yeah, he said it. And if you don't know if he said it, how are you going to be able to say that? If you're not reading the word and putting it in here. Does that mean you're going to be perfect and never fall? No, it doesn't. It means you're be able to fight well. You can't fight well if you don't have your sword. <laughs> you've got to have your sword. And this changed my life when I started to see God's word as food for my soul. So when I first became a Christian, you know, it was just something to do, a checklist. So I got to have my quiet time. Just get it off the checklist and go on to my other activities. But this is life. I'm feeding myself other things every day. Every day I see stuff. People tell me stuff. I hear stuff. And if I don't have this, how can I know what's true? How can I have discernment if I don't know his word? And so I implore you to spend time in the scriptures this week. If it's just 10 minutes, 5 minutes, at least get his word inside of you. That's my challenge to you and to myself. Not just to you. I'm talking to myself too. So pray for one another that way. And next week we'll talk about the consequence of what happened to them. And we're feeling those consequences today. So pray with me. Father God, your your provisions in our life are good provisions. And sometimes it's hard to see that because we look at our circumstances and sometimes our circumstances cloud our vision, cloud our perspective. But Lord, help us not to lose sight of the fact that you're good despite circumstances. And the reason the world is where it is is because of the fall. It isn't because of you. It's because of the fall. That's why we have sickness. That's why there's death. Because of Genesis 3 6. So Father, help us to to have your word in our hearts. Holy Spirit, you live in all of us. You live in your you live in believers, Spirit. So give us the power to be able to recognize the voice of the enemy when he comes. For he's gonna come. Hardships are gonna come, temptations are gonna come. I mean, we're not supermen, we're not superwomen. But you live in us. Give us the strength to fight and give us the strength to repent when we fail because you're going to fail. We can't, we're not perfect people. But, Lord, there's grace. We live by grace. And so, Father, sustain your people, watch over your people, protect your people from themselves, and help your people to spend time in your word this week and in more and more in love with Jesus every day. In Christ's name I pray. Amen.